Sometimes I like to listen to the chill shit to soothe my mind. It's like this song remind me of something that's like a true throwback, but mixed in with today's version of our modern like R&B slash hip hop a little bit. <clears throat> well, y'all know what y'all tune into, man. You know, it's that time. It's real talk with the six man. Sometimes I feel like I don't really have to tell y'all who the host is because y'all already know who that is. That's me. I'm the sixth man. <laughs> and um, it's an important month. This month is uh, Cancer Awareness Month. I started the month off wearing my pink. Um, I did good. I think I'm going to have to wear some more for the rest of the week. I got one of my homies. Shout out to Japarius Clothing, man. I got my homie making me some, some, some sweet with pink on it so I can continue to uh, be with my fellow people out here acknowledging the fact that cancer is out there and we hate it. Fuck that shit. And um, it's important to me now um, because my dad, um, I lost my dad in 20, 2010. Lost my dad in 2010 to cancer. He had skin cancer. Um, I think it was uh, melanoma. If I'm if not my mistaken, it was melanoma. And um it's a little it's a little important to me now because I mean one, he did um pass away of cancer. And he also um he got a birthday coming up um on Monday. So it's 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 a little it's a little rough for me, but I but I've been good. But I wanted to do something special. Um I wanted to let everybody know that I'm up to date and I'm in tune. And I'm hip on everything. And I want to try to bring as much awareness, as much um, consciousness about certain things as possible. And cancer is one of those things that we know is out there, but we don't get to talk about it. And we don't hear as much about it as we could. So I wanted to do something special and, you know, uh, start a quick series to just bring some awareness to, you know, cancer survivors, people who are, who are living with cancer, people who are being treated with cancer, and talk about some of those um, those particular situations. With, and, and like with my case, that I that I actually lost somebody of cancer. And I know a lot of us have, you know, known somebody or have lost somebody, close friend, family, relative, or whatever, you know, might have lost somebody from cancer because it's, it's running rapid. And, and, well, in the black community, it's running rapid. So I wanted to do something special and talk about it, you know, and um, in remembrance of my dad, you know, who, like I said, who died um, in 2010. Um, and also just, you know, any other survivors, any people that are, that are, um, that are living with it. And, you know, and especially you want loved ones that we might have, you know, lost from it. So I wanted to do a show to acknowledge that. So I have a good friend of mine who's going to help me, um, you know, start this thing off and talk about it a little bit. Jeanette, you did? Yes, I'm here. How you doing? I'm good. And yourself? I'm good. So first and foremost, I want to thank you for opportunity to allow me to do this. I mean, as I'm, you know, progressing with the show, I'm trying to learn how to you know, stay on top of certain um, topics and items and, you know, write some stuff down to make sure Mm -hmm. I try to, you know, make sure the show has a broad range and it's not stuck to one particular topic or, you know, one particular thing to talk about. So I just wanted to thank you for allowing me some time, you know, just so we can, you know, touch this topic a little bit tonight. 
Right. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I try to reach out to people that I generally, um, what's the word, that I generally dig, D-I-G, <laughs> because I feel like the conversation gets a little bit more um, intimate in terms of the listener, because I want the listener to be mm-hmm. able to reflect on something that they know or might be going through. And if it helps them in any way, that's that's kind of why I want to do it. And I mean, and if it's any educational benefit outside of that, then I'm, I'm, I'm most certainly want to do that as well. So again, I thank you for that. So, um, so as I started all the show saying that, you know, this is cancer awareness month. Um, and I wanted to acknowledge that and wanted to bring some awareness to it as well. Um, so can you, can you tell us a little bit about, um, thyroid cancer and what that is? Cause for me, when I look it up, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I'm just reading and I'm just like, wow. Like, I mean, I hear about the treatment. I hear about the possibilities. Um, I was also reading mm-hmm. something about it being hereditary. And I was like, wait a minute. That means if somebody else in your family has it, you're likely to get it. So it was right. it was a little interesting to start reading. So, like, kind of give us, you know, I mean, I know now I know that there are different types of of, of that particular. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um would you like to break down exactly, you know, what's going on with you and then get into it or I mean, sure, what, perfect. What's more, I can give you a little background on it. Okay. Um, so, um, first of all, I have been, I knew something was wrong over a year ago. Um, um, probably longer than a year. Um, because my initial thing was my hair was falling out. I was constantly tired. I was constantly in pain. But the biggest symptom that I saw or felt was the the fact that my hair was coming out. So went to my doctor, you know, we always should do. Went to my doctor, told my doctor that I wasn't feeling well. And um, she ran all her tests and um, everything came back normal. And I knew something was wrong, but she couldn't tell me what was going on. And then I pressed her and I kept letting her know that something's wrong. And although the tests are saying that everything was good, you know, I knew something was up. And so, you know, the typical doctor, when, you know, you're a little bit overweight, they tell you you lose a couple of pounds and, you know, yeah. And that's supposed to fix everything. Exactly. That was the first thing she did. She was like, well, if you lose a few pounds, you know, we can kind of revisit it and everything. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I've lost over 70 pounds and I still feel bad. Wow. So, you know, as time progressed, you know, she retired and I had to find me a new doctor. So uh, fast forward a bit. Um, This year um, in February, I met with the new doctor after doing all my research And I met with the new doctor and I told her the same thing. I'm like, I don't feel good. Something's wrong. (laughs) You need to figure it out. Right. And this doctor listened. And luckily, you know, I can possibly say that my new primary doctor, she saved my life because she actually listened to me and she didn't completely rely on the blood test you know, like the previous doctor. And this time she actually went old school. I call it old school. Um, she actually put her hands on me. She actually physically touched and, 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 and wanted to figure out if she found any lumps, bumps or whatever. And that's when she found the lump. 
I mean, but that's what doctors are supposed to do. They're supposed to, you know, in a physical examination, they're supposed to touch you, Absolutely, right? absolutely. But, you know, some of the doctors there nowadays are primarily relying on what the machine says, what the, what the blood test says. And that's what my, my previous doctor did. I mean, is that is that is that something to kind of speak on? Just you know, some doctors just want that that money, that revenue, and don't really Absolutely. care about their clients. Like that's most care nowadays is not about the care of the patient. It's about you know trying to see what how how much they can get out of the visit. You know, the more tests that they um, uh, send you for, the more exams, the more times you come into your office into their office is a copay. And then if you have to keep coming back and they're giving you bits and pieces, you know, they're getting paid for each visit, but it doesn't benefit the patient. So, you know, the one thing that I'm advocating for now is like, you know, be your own healthcare specialist, know your body, right? You know, you need to be able to arm yourself with information that, you know, can probably blow the minds of your doctor. You should know your body. You should trust your instincts. You should know, like, you know, it's not in a sense of paranoia, but to know that, you know, that cough that's lasted for two, three weeks is not normal. Right. You know, and and dig a little deeper. And I mean, the information is out there. I mean, Google is your friend, you know, to find out, you know, even if it's, you know, minor symptoms and things of that nature. Once you go to the doctor, you can ask them, well, you know, what's up with this? If I've been coughing for this long or, you know, I'm running a fever this long and, you know, stomach is upset, I'm swelling this way and that way. You should be able to ask those questions and they should be able to give you an answer. Yeah, because I'm actually, <clears throat> it's funny you say that because I'm actually on Google right now, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at, um, it's saying, what are symptoms of advanced thyroid cancer? And it's mm-hmm. funny you just said this because one of the symptoms is coughing. Absolutely. One of the symptoms is coughing and then the other one says trouble swallowing mm-hmm. and shortness of breath. <clears throat> and the reason why I'm looking at it is because when I, when I start talking to my dad, it was like, I can I, I could talk to him on the phone mm-hmm. and I could just hear something in his voice. And I'd be like, Melvin, what's that? You sick? He'd be like, no, nah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But you can actually hear something in his voice. Like he right. like I don't think he could tell that other people could tell his voice over the phone from something being, you know, abnormal. Right. And then I happened to go over there one time and he had this little lump on the side of his neck. And I was like, what's that? He was like, oh, I don't know. I think, you know, I ate something and I, I caught, caught an allergic reaction or something, you know, just. And I mean, me personally, you know, I, I took it for what it was worth because knowing him, he always, you know, dabbled in, you know, certain type of foods that everybody didn't eat. And, okay. you know, you just, you just never knew. But it just seemed like as I began to talk to him more on the phone and I began to go over there, because once I saw the lump, it was like, keep going over there, you know, just yeah. so you can monitor it to see what's going on. Even though he not saying nothing, I want to know what's going on. So I monitored yeah. for it about, I think I monitored it for about three, about two weeks, about two mm-hmm. weeks. And then the second week, you know, it got a little, like, it got a little harder, because I actually touched it. Okay. And it got a little solid. So I looked at his friend, and Miss Wanda was like, Kevin, tell him to go to the hospital. I was like, all right. I said, Mel, what's up? I mean, let's go. Let's go to the hospital. <laughs> I ain't going to no hospital. I said, listen, put your shoes on. I'm going to drive you. Let's go to the hospital. Right. 
and we went and they ran tests and they ran tests and you know the doctor came in and was like you know is it okay if I talk to you know you in front of him he was like yeah that's my son that's my baby boy you can you can speak clearly right. and when she told me you know what it was it was just like I just looked at him and I remember a tear coming to my eye and the only reason why I came to my eye because it was like what you already know about that disease. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like at a drop of a dime, it's so many people, you know, uncles, aunts, cousins, you know, mainly the older people that 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 get it and, and it takes them out so fast. Right. And so when she told me that, I mean, Jeanette, it was like instantly, you know, we tried to prepare ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. for the worst, but we didn't really want to because, you know, that's our father. He is so deacon. Hearing the word cancer paralyzes you. Yeah, you know what I mean? And it and, stops and, you in your track. So, you know, there's really no preparation for it. It's not. You're not and, sure and, and, how, how quickly it's going to. Man. Like, I mean, when he started losing weight, that was, that was it for me. Because I remember, I remember. I remember um, a a family friend. I'm going to say a family friend. My mother was really cool with another bowling partner. And so we, that we were so cool with this family that we called my mother's bowling partner, the friend, Shirley, Miss Shirley. We called her our aunt. Okay. And so that's how tight we were. I mean, we went over there to play cars, you know, 4th of July. They had the big old cookouts. So mm-hmm. we were family. And her mm-hmm. husband, Shirley's husband, um, end up getting cancer and I mean he had got so small I mean this man this man was six I mean I want to say this dude was at least six three and all man you know like like 250 260 and when when he caught this disease I mean it shriveled him down to nothing yeah and I remember Mm -hmm. going in that room and seeing him and looking at Uncle Curtis and I was just like wow like my mother walked me in because, I mean, I was a little intimidated. I mean, I'm young. I was like, I think I was like 15, 16, 15. And I walked in there and it was just like this little, I mean, this big man was now little. Mm-hmm. And, and and to see the same thing happen to my father, you know, how small he got eventually, I was like, wow. So. I mean, it, 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 because my mom, my mom passed from lung cancer. So um, that's why smoking scares me. So, you know, most of, I have lost several family members to lung cancer. So I tried to kind of, you know, watch that, you know, didn't really want to be around smoke or I didn't smoke and things of that nature. And then um, my, one of my aunts, um, she is a breast cancer survivor. This is year 25 for her. And she's, yeah, absolutely. My auntie rocks. And, you know, the fact that she beat this disease and she's still kicking butt. I mean, I mean, she's just amazing to me. And then for me, that's motivation then, for you, though. huh? That's motivation for you, though. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I look at her and I'm like, you know, I can do this. You know, and I, I constantly have to tell myself because, again, like I said, you know, the word cancer just paralyzes you. And when I got my diagnosis, I got, I was di- I was finally diagnosed after they did the exam and all that craziness. They um they went sent me for an ultrasound and then they did a fine um fine needle biopsy, you know, which they basically, you know, stick the needle in your neck. And I was awake the entire time. Really? <laughs> yes. So 
there I'm sitting there looking at the monitor and I'm seeing them poke around and it's like like round nodules or circle in my neck mm-hmm. and I'm like you know like what are they doing like what is, what's like really happening and then I've got my diagnosis um in March but I went to get a second opinion and it was confirmed um in April, April 6th. Okay. And I mean, at that time, like, I I didn't know what to do. Like, how am I going to go and tell my family? Like I'm only, I'm 41. Right. And how am I going to tell my family that I have thyroid cancer? And I think what made the situation a little worse for me was the fact that, you know, the doctor I had, my, the doctor that was, um, instructed to give me the news. She wasn't very pleasant. Her bedside manner um, sucked. So in a sense, I found out about my diagnosis by reading it on a piece of paper. So that didn't help at all. I mean, didn't help I- at all. Didn't help at all. Dang. So, I mean, after, you know, everything and it settled in, I had to go talk to my family. And then once I sp- spoke with my family, you know, everyone was trying to figure out what's the next step. And the next step for me was to meet with a surgeon and I did all my research again, you know, the information is out there. You read the reviews of the different doctors and everything and you watch their videos and their expertise and all of that. And I found a surgeon I was very, very comfortable with and I made my appointment. I went in and she was the most pleasant person. She made me feel completely comfortable. That's you know, she gave me the information that I already, in a sense, knew, but she confirmed, you know, all of my fears, my doubts. She answered all my questions. She answered all my aunt's questions. So at this oh, auntie, point... Oh, auntie was there too? Oh, yeah. Auntie was not letting me go through That's that. That's what's up. That's oh, what's yeah. up. That's auntie what's up. was not, uh, not for it. She was definitely going to that appointment. And, you know, after that, I had my surgery on uh, June 22nd. And uh, they did a total thyroidectomy in which they basically removed my entire thyroid. And um, I guess I can get into a little bit details about that. You know, your thyroid is just basically like a butterfly shaped organ at the base of your neck in the front of your neck. Okay. And um, it surprisingly, this little thing at the base of your neck controls everything. It it helps. um, It produces like thyroid hormones. Um, that basically regulates like your metabolism, your okay. heartbeat, okay. your, your body temperature, your moods, and Ooh. like vital body functions that basically, you know, hits every cell in your body. Wow. So something as small as this, and now I don't have one, like my body went through such a traumatic change. Right. And, you know. How's that regulated now that you don't have one? So now I have to take medication um, on an empty stomach. So I take a thyroid um, pill every morning on an empty stomach, like at 4.30 in the morning, because they want you to take it before breakfast, um, so two to four hours before you eat, so it can absorb in your body so you can get, so your body can stay balanced in a sense. Right. So um, if I don't, one of the questions is uh, that I always get is like, what if you don't take the medicine? If right. I don't take the medicine, it's not that I'm just going to die or anything like that, but I'm not going to be able to really function because that's where I'm getting my energy. That's where, 
um, it, it helps out with like my joint pain and all okay. of that stuff. So right. makes sense. Exactly. So I mean, I mean, day to day, it's it's a hit or miss. Some mornings I wake up and I'm perfectly fine, and then there's those other mornings where I can barely get out of the bed. Now, where, so you know, you know what I'm going to ask you, right? Uh oh. You already know what I'm going to ask you. So yeah. do so so. So do they tell you that marijuana can help with that at all or no? I've heard. As far as, far as with the pain. Absolutely. I've heard that. Some people have um, suggested that I do a little bit, a deep dive of um, research in regard to it. But, you know, that's something that I've been hesitant on because okay. of, you know, my job. So. Right. Right. So I know that that's something that. Well, I, I mean, but if it was, me. but if it was medical, if it was medically, uh, regulated right and you know where your doctor is saying that you know this is what you need do you think that your job would have an issue with that man's though that's a part of you know allowing you to live comfortably good question um i i can't really answer that because of how the agency that i'm i'm with they're very strict on their rules and regulations Okay. And because I'm the the bureau is a bit more closer to uh, forty five, <laughs> so you know they may you know kind of frown upon that. Right, right, so right. That's something that I can look into, but I mean, we just got to take it day by day. So I'm reading. I mean, as we're talking, I'm reading, and it's saying, mm-hmm. um, "Can thyroid cancer spread quickly?" And it says, "This cancer usually does not grow fast." Mm-hmm. And does not spread quickly into surrounding tissues. I mean, how 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 good is that to hear? But how 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 like hundred percent is that? It's definitely not one hundred percent for me. Okay. I just recently found out that um, mine has spread to my lymph nodes. So that's where you talk, right? Um, no, your lymph nodes is basically throughout your entire body. Um, so it it. it once it gets into your lymphatic system, you know, we're dealing with a different beast. Um, it, it can spread pretty quickly now because of it being in your lymph nodes, because it's not necessarily just in your neck area or your chest area. So it can travel faster now that, you know, it's compromised your lymph nodes. Wow. So yeah, this is this. I just found out this news about a week ago. Um, so that treatment that I had, um, the doctors are like, you know, we may need to um, get a little bit more aggressive. And that's crazy because now I'm reading a little bit more. It's saying that this cancer can also travel through the bloodstream and into mm-hmm. other areas of the body, such as the lung and bone. Yes. Yes. Wow. Wow. So although a lot of people, you know, I think one of the the biggest things that I heard when I first got my diagnosis was, you know, oh, thyroid cancer is the good cancer, you know, because, you know, of the high. Yeah. (laughs) That's the good cancer because of the high survival. That doesn't like that's not like good cholesterol, bad cholesterol. Like, come on now. That don't. Oh, yeah. This is good cancer. I'll be like, what? Right. I'm like, there's, there's no such thing as good or bad cancer. But I mean, you know, cancer is cancer. 
And, you know, although, yes, the survival rate, the cure rate is in the 90s, but it, it, it differs for different people in regard to their particular circumstances. Like mine, with it now being in my lymph nodes, my chances now are 30 to 50%. Okay. Depending on how quickly or how early they've caught it. So although I, I right now um, chemotherapy is not on the table and I've had um, two weeks of radiation and um, also they did a radioactive iodine um, okay. uh, therapy treatment for me. Okay. Now, although chemotherapy was not on the table, it could be on the table now that it's in my lymph nodes. Right. That was, is... Again, we, we are dealing with a totally different beast now. Okay. Cause I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of scrolling and reading as you're talking, so I'm reading the part where it says about the thyroid removal, um, right. surgically See. removing all. It says re- surgically removing all or parts of the thyroid gland. So I'm so I'm guessing if it doesn't touch their entire gland, they remove part of it, or should they just right. remove all of it? So you can get thyroid disease and. Um... Um, in your thyroid. So, so your thyroid is basically um, broken into three parts. It's your left, your right, and then the middle, which is called your isthmus. And your isthmus is um, it's just in the base, in, in the middle of your, in the middle of your neck. In the middle, the, the body of the, look like the butterfly. It's yeah. just the, the body in the middle. So if you're only having issues on um, and there's signs of it in your right, but your left is completely healthy. They will only remove your right. Okay. You know the the where again special case for me. Mine was in my isthmus, so it was right in the middle. So they basically had to remove the entire thing. Wow. So. <laughs> so wow. I mean. So so does that mean the medication? So this this says that is a uh, is it hormone medication? Yes. So it's a thyroid. Um, it's a thyroid. Um, Anti-thyroid agent. Yes. So that's the the synthroid um, that is basically taken every day. So there's a um, a generic name, but I can't pronounce it. <laughs> but the primary brand is synthroid, and I basically um, just take it every day. I mean, I'm I'm pro- I'm going to be on this medication for the rest of my life. And right now we are, I think I'm on my fourth change in my dosage. So it's, it's a complete science. I mean, it it just depends on how your body reacts to it. So they have to monitor you all the time. Absolutely. I have basically have to get blood work done like every six to eight weeks. Mm. Right now, because of the treatments, I'm getting blood work done every two, every week. No, they've changed it now. They've now is every two weeks now. Just so, to check my blood, my my hormone levels, my calcium levels, my um and uh blood counts as far as like my anemia and things of that nature. Because again, it it changes um how your body reacts to cold, um heat, um mm-hmm. with the joint pain, the fatigue, and everything. So it's going to find out if my body is um, absorbing the, the necessary nutrients that I need. So you, so so you gonna be good for Saint Lucia? Oh, oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, definitely. My doctors and I have already talked about, you know, the goodness. 
Oh, oh yeah, we're going to make sure of that. So if they want to go and do the chemo and all that stuff and the radiation, the only thing about the radiation, I don't know if you saw my post, is, is right after I got the, the radiation treatment, I'm not allowed on a plane for at least 30 days. Oh, so they need to go ahead and handle that. So you can handle that exactly. Yeah, we, they need to get that out the way. Yeah, or, we trying to have a ball. We trying to have a, a motherfucking ball down. Absolutely. Here. Oh yeah, this is gonna be a celebration. We this birthday. I'm I'm not for it. Yeah. Um. So the only other thing that they told me about is that they they probably gonna have to give me a medical card because TSA is probably gonna check me. Okay, got you for your medications. Yeah. Gotcha. And the fact that if I still have remnants of the radiation in my system. Oh, that right. So when you go through the detection, got gotcha, you. Gotcha. Exactly. Because you know, sometimes when they do the that um the extra check and they run the the thing over your hands, yeah, for radiation. So if I just had treatment, then yeah, it's gonna be on me. Right. Well, I mean, God willing, we gonna we gonna we gonna get all that in, in order. So we so oh, yeah. we, we ain't gonna worry about all that. Oh no, we ain't worried about that at all. Yeah, we ain't gonna work. So, so how, so, so how now has this affected your diet? Like, I mean, what, what, what changes do you have to make, and what kind of sacrifices are they for you in terms of meal prepping and eating and stuff like that on a day to day basis? Um, I would say the biggest thing is, um, they want me to cut back on seafood. That was one of the things that was like a gut punch, <laughs> you know, because of the iodine in seafood. Right. Um, in the preparation for the radioactive therapy that I did, um, my iodine levels needed to be very low. So they're saying that the iodine, your thyroid glands in the cells, it feeds off of iodine. Okay. So the less you have in your body, the more it, it can be produced in all of that. So um, definitely um, prep, prepping my food. So it's mainly um, good, clean eating. Okay. Um, not a lot of, you know, of course, breads and things of that nature, which I really wasn't doing initially. But okay. it's just, you know, I definitely need to eat. That's one of the things that is a big thing for them. I definitely need to eat. Um, I don't have an appetite. So pretty much I'm, I'm eating just because I need to take medication. Right. Um, I mean, that kind of makes sense, but damn. That's right. So, um, other than that, it hasn't been a huge difference. Um, okay. The only thing that they have to have advised me to do is to remain active. You know, the activity helps with, because I don't have a metabolism anymore. So there's nothing there that's helping me burn the energy. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Dang. So I mean, now I that I'm thinking about it, when you said it, it's like, damn, how do you do that? Yeah, I have to stay active. But they told me to kind of, because, you know, I'm still in a sense healing, although we are about mm, 14, 15 weeks since my surgery, although it was been that long, my muscles, because um, of how my surgery happened, I still need to be kind of careful on lifting. So okay. I can't lift anything over 15, 20 pounds over my head. Okay. So. I mean, but um, you can still find a lot of stuff to do in between. That, absolutely. That can, that can so definitely walking has been my friend. Okay. Um, a lot of cardio and things of that nature and just like resistant bands and things like that. So I pretty much have kept it low impact and still a lot of cardio. Okay. 
But the good thing about it, since my surgery, I've lost like 20 pounds. Hey, I mean, what they Whatever say, you, you, yeah, you got to get in where you fit in. Like, yeah, why not? Go get hell, that's, there's the light at the end of the tunnel a bit. Yeah, yeah. That, hey, that, <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up, though. I mean, oh, yeah. That, now you ain't got to work as hard because you already going in the gym looking cute. Like, yeah, and what? Oh, come catch me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just been just um, I think that I, I read on it every day. Yeah, I mean, I'm reading up on it while we talking now. I mean, I'm just yeah, I read up. I read on it every day just so I can make sure that, you know, I am my own healthcare specialist. Like there's nothing there's nothing that kind of surprises me anymore. Right. Now I'm going to these doctor's appointments. Now it's, they can always um, tell me that there's a possibility of this and I can kind of, you know, outline or give them some type of feedback in regards to what I'm feeling and they can pinpoint right. me. And then if they recommend something, I'm already comfortable with it. So, so, and so with that even being said, I mean, I'm not saying just in particularly to cancer itself but just people being in tune with their bodies period like you said you know that that cough that doesn't go away like like how important you know let's talk about not 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 saying that it's you know um more of an importance because you know you're dealing with this thyroid issue but just Mm -hmm. you know just the importance overall not just women and i mean i want you to speak to the women but oh yeah just the importance period of you know, listening and, and, and hearing your body. like Some people, you know, how I was raised, you know, if, if you fell down or if you did, you got hurt or anything like that, you know, some of us, you know, that grew up, grew up in the inner city, you know, your, your mom or whoever told you to lay down and take a nap. Right. And, you know, you would have this headache for a couple of days and I, I remember a particular friend that I have um, that, you know, that headache never get, um, went away right. and come to find out, you know, she had a brain tumor. Wow. So it's 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 those things that, again, not to make people paranoid, but you just need to trust that, you know, although you're living this semi healthy lifestyle and. You know, you know, you haven't done anything, you know. Semi, I like that, semi. <laughs> semi I mean, because everyone has their moments where, you know, yeah. they, they yeah. indulge, yeah. you know, with, you know, the wrong foods or, you know, the excess drinking on the weekends, the birthday, whatever. I, I, I stopped drinking, but I'm indulging right now. <laughs> you feel me? Yeah. I mean, you know, everyone has those moments, but I mean, after a while, it's like, you know, what have I done to my body? You know, if if you're one of those type of people and, you know, I'm not sickling anyone out or anything like that. But if you're one of those people that hit a happy hour every day after work and then it gets it, it you start your happy hour on the weekends at noon and then, you know, it goes through the entire weekend and everything you have in cirrhosis of the liver shouldn't be shocking to you. Yeah, that you know, yeah, yeah. If you're eating Popeyes and McDonald's and Wendy's and curry out with and the, your, the and your insides up, 
Absolutely. And all this every day, you haven't had a piece of vegetable ever in your life. And and now your doctor is saying that you're morbidly obese, but not only that, you have high blood pressure and diabetes and all this other stuff. It shouldn't be shocking to you. Yeah. I mean, it's scary. It's definitely going to be hard to deal with. But like you say, you know, you got to be, you know, held accountable. Absolutely. And a lot of people don't want to admit things. They want to point the finger and they want to find, find out who else is the, is, is the cause of it. You yeah. did that. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, you know, there are also those instances that, you know, there there isn't no no instant or no. What am I trying to say? There's no actual cause of it. There's no actual, you know, onset of it. But there there can be environmental factors that are involved. Yeah, absolutely. It could be hereditary absolutely. things that are involved because, you know, not everybody that is overweight is automatically a diabetic. Right. I know people that are 130 pounds and they're a diabetic. So, I mean, you know, those things that you can prevent, then prevent them, you know. Yeah the various different types of cancer and, you know, breast cancer and lung cancer and cervical cancer and ovarian cancer. I mean, there's just so many different things. There's that so can... many of the cancers. What is Absolutely. That? And, and, and everyone gets a different, you know, feel or taste of treatments and, you know, the, their different um, outlooks and everything. It's just, it's different because, but it's cancer is cancer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it just depends on where that person is in, in their life and, you know, the, the support system. I think that has been the biggest thing for me. The hardest pill for me to swallow is the support system. So that is where I've kind of built myself up in, in regard to my knowledge now and wanting to get the information out there. And that, you know, I, and let me make sure I throw this out there is that this Thyroid cancer is not just a female cancer. Men can get it too. You have a thyroid too, boo. Wow. Okay. So, uh, it, although it's more common and in women. females, okay, but men can get it as well. Wow. I mean, you know, I, 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 I actually pride myself now on you know drinking my lemon water. Mm-hmm. Drinking my apple cider vinegar. Yep. Um, you know, just trying to, like you say, just walk a little bit more. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I do like uh, full body stretches. I mean, of course, I find like little apps to show me how to do the stretches, but I do full mm-hmm. body stretch. I do, I do a lot of the stuff <clears throat> outside of drinking the lemon water and the um, apple cider vinegar. I do a lot of the stuff that we did when we were in elementary school. All the stuff that we did in PE, you know, the bending reaches, the stretches, mm-hmm. the jumping jacks, you know, the push-ups. That's all the basic shit that we learned. And it's like mm-hmm. sometimes when people say they need to go to the gym, I just look at them and, you know, just have my own conversation in my head. Cause I'm like, people always like to make it where, you know, it has to be, you know, in, in a certain way in order for them to do shit. I mean, that's the shit that kills me. Like, Oh, I got to go to the gym. Why? You don't need no fucking gym to lose 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. And then don't make the fucking gym your excuse for why the fuck you didn't go. Oh, because I didn't go to the gym. Didn't you go home? Right. Didn't you lay down and eat the ice cream? Mm-hmm. Did you think about getting on the treadmill after you was done? No. So mm-hmm. don't make it keep, you know, don't keep making it about something else. Like you said a while back, you know, you know, making something else or someone else your your scapegoat or your excuse. Mm-hmm. 
You mm-hmm. know, we gotta we gotta take care of ourselves now. So I'm 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 kind of proudful, you know, not prideful, but proudful of myself because I, mm-hmm. you know, I've gotten into a routine. Like people say, you know, like you, with this situation, you got to make it a lifestyle now. Like this has right. to be your lifestyle. Like you, these medications mm-hmm. you're taking for the rest of your life. I feel like if we took the initiative and just made healthier choices, you know, a lifestyle, then we could probably, you know, remediate this shit for a few years and then i mean of course if it still happens it happens but we don't have to have it happen you know so early in our lives because i mean i know people recently who has you know who have died of heart attacks i mean it's dudes that i know that's 39 you Mm -hmm. know 37 having heart attacks i'm like good gracious like Mm -hmm. heart attacks though like i knew you know old heads you know cold heart attacks i mean i remember um i was reading um, an article one time, and the dude was shoveling snow mm-hmm. and had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't that old. I think they say he was like in his fifties. But you know, mm-hmm. heart was heart was beat up. You know, mm-hmm. lungs was beat up. So, you know, I just I just feel like at any point, you know, if we can find a place where we can just not make an excuse, and if mm-hmm. we have a thought like, you know what, I'm gonna start eating a little bit healthier, just do it. When you, but here's you, the other thing that I've also thought about uh, is the fact that there are a lot of people that I've recently have been um, corresponding with, and most of them have um, actually told me that they don't go to doctors, they don't trust doctors. And I remember, you know, some uncles and and other. You wait, know, wait, wait, wait. So, so do they go the holistic route, or they're not doing nothing? No, they're not going because they don't they don't trust them, you know. But then they now see that you know, as you get older, your body changes, and now they hit a they're they're between a rock and a hard place, and now something is actually wrong. Right. And now they don't have that connection and that that knowledge. To and, know to know their better, know know better and know their bodies. Right. You know, I mean, I, I've had family members and and people that are like, you know, oh, I don't go to, I just take care of my health myself. I drink a gallon of water, you know. And I know people that live longer than you know other people that are that are smoking cigarettes and everything. But you still need to know your body and know what's going on with it. Yeah. You know, everything that's out on the surface is not what's happening. There's some internal stuff that's happening that you need to be aware of. And if you have a clean bill of health, God bless you. Right, right. You know, but you still need to get get that blood work done to find out, you know, if that, you know, extra hot sauce and in, 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 in the fried chicken has done something to your arteries. And that that blood work be mean too, though. So I can't Absolutely. lie. So every I, I think I think, and I ain't gonna lie. I mean, you know, I like I like to keep it a hundred on my show. So I think that by the time I turn thirty five is when, um, you know, the blood work starts scaring me because that's when my daughter started talking about. Okay, so now we gotta get ready for, you know, you know, checking the prostate and checking mm-hmm. this and that. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, yo, because it, it's like you can't you can't hide shit from that blood work. You can exactly. exactly. It's coming out of you. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever they find, they mm-hmm. not talking about nobody else. They talking about you. Mm-hmm. So if they coming in and say, okay, you can't drink no more, you can't smoke, you can't do this, you they talking from some real shit. They got some data 
they got some DNA from you, and it's like, yeah, Slim, you, yeah, you gotta be easy. You can't do that shit no more. Exactly. Yeah, so I think I started like regularly. You know, I mean, not saying that I hadn't went. You know, it has been times where my daughter, you know, has sent me an email. Hey, how you how you been? Not asking me to come in, but just hey, how you been? I'm like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then two days later, I'm scheduling an appointment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I like. Like you said, I, it's, it's good to have a doctor who seem like, and I'm going to say who seem like, who seem like they really care about their patients regardless, mm-hmm. you know, just people in general. Because it's times when I go in there and I see her, and sometimes we talk about why I'm there, but then we get off topic and about, you know, how to do mm-hmm. hit, like how to do hit um, exercise. I was like, hit, what you know about that? She was like, yeah, that's how you really lose that way. You got to do them hit exercises. Right. When you do one thing and then turn around and do this one and then do it, boom, that's one set. I'm like, damn, look at you. So, yeah, so mm-hmm. when you had them type of conversations, you like, okay, I can really deal with this. So, I right. think they, they shows you that they actually care. Right. They're, you're just not a, just a number on a chart. Exactly. And so when they break that shit down for you and, you know, you hear what they saying and you know, I mean, it's confident to me. And I mean, I feel like I, I can tell her anything. And right. that's the thing. I hear people a lot of times talking about men, you know, they don't go to the doctor and they don't get their self checked. And I don't think that is that. I think that just men in general, you know, we got that mentality that don't shit happen to us. Right, like, like we just men and we that strong, and I'm like, nah, Slim, like you go get yeah, that clap. You, you need, you yeah, need if, if your knee, if your knee been hurting that long, you need to go holler at them people. If you can't get mm-hmm. out to your bed and you gotta keep popping them Advils and popping them a leave, Slim, yeah, mm-hmm. go holler at your daughter, Slim. And, and then there's yeah. adverse um, reactions and, and and things that happen from that if you're popping if these you, pills. Exactly. Every day. Exactly. I mean, it was mm-hmm. something as simple for me for my back pain was for me to go to a chiropractor and then a chiropractor um um referred me to go to a an, an, what is it yeah to a specialist and this little this little <laughs> short lady you know put like 22 little pins down in my lower back Ugh. Jeanette when she was taking them motherfuckers out my back was feeling so I was like wait a what what are you doing back there? I mean, it was just loosening it up. And then she, you know, took, I was laying on my my back. So then she took my leg, told me, give her my leg. She put her hand on her palm on my knee. It was like stretching me and, and you know, moving me around. When I stood up, I was like, holy shit. Okay. And it wasn't like it was, you know, fully cured, but it was something that I got to take care of. And I, and right. I do that now. Like I even found exercises where I can stretch my lower body, you know, my mm-hmm. lower back, you know, my legs, all of that, do squats and stuff. So I think it's just, you know, it's good, you know, when you can pay attention to yourself because it's so many of us that's getting about it. And when you talked about the drinking and the excess of it, and I mean, because I know you know how we used to get down. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, that night we drunk them fish bowls. That was one of them nights I hope <laughs> I don't never do again. <laughs> <laughs> But a fishbowl right now would be good. I ain't gonna even lie about that. Man, I mean, I couldn't believe I turned into an angry man like that. I was even surprised at myself. I mean, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I wasn't shocked when y'all told me what happened, but I was kind of surprised because I was like, damn, I turned into an angry man. Ron was like, yeah, Slim, you turned into an angry man. I was like, dang. Lay it down, bro. Lay it down. And, and so, you know, I stopped drinking um in May. Um, I started a detox. I said I wanted to lose some weight. I didn't really give myself a a goal. I just wanted to lose some weight. And I ended up taking a 14-day detox. Um, I weighed myself the day before I started. 
um, which was a Sunday night. I weighed myself. I was like 242. After the 14-day process on the 15th day, I mean, just minor exercise and walking, I had came down from four, I mean, from 242 to 224, I think. Okay. Right. And then, you know, when, went out of town a couple of times and I fluctuated, but I'm back. You know, it's, it's, I just feel like it's easier to fall off, right? I mean, I'm not going to say easy to fall off, but it's, you know, when, when you fall off, it's a little easier to get right back on when you've already been in the habit and in the groove of, of already doing it. You know what I mean? And that's, Mm -hmm. and that's the only thing that I preach to people. I'm not saying that I'm better than you. I'm not saying because I work out or I'm trying to eat healthy that I'm better than you. I'm saying something because I want you to do the same shit. Right. I'm saying something because I want I don't want to see you weighing 400 pounds. I don't want to see you weighing 300 pounds. I want right. you know I know when you go to the doctor they say, oh I'm five eight. I should be weighing one. Uh, I think she said 175. I was like, in what lifetime you want exactly. me to weigh 175? Exactly. I'm a grown ass man. I'm 40 years old and you want me to weigh 175. So you just want mm-hmm. me to lose every fight that I get into. <laughs> like. <laughs> Those charts, we ain't, don't don't get me started on those those those, those charts because their ideal weight uh, for for me, my age, my height is like one thirty something. Yeah, that's like, that's that's unrealistic. That's not realistic at all. I mean, now don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. One time I was in the barbershop and I got some goddamn some good education and the dude made perfect sense about that chart. I don't want to get into that because I think if I can... Yeah, that's a whole different topic. Yeah, I think if I can find him and talk to him and ask him if he can relive that day, if I, if I can catch him and he can put... If I can get that recorded, I'm, I'm putting it on so people can hear it because it made perfect sense. I mean, what he said about that chart and how, mm. you know, our bodies are set up, it made perfect sense. But, I mean, I told him still, Slim. I said, I can show you a picture when I was in high school. Right. And in high school, you know, I graduated uh, 97. So in 97, I probably was 175, maybe, maybe a little heavier because I was playing football at the time. But even if mm-hmm. I showed him that picture, I couldn't go back and be that skinny. It just, exactly. I don't, it, you know what I mean? Like for that time, yeah, I was a young whippersnapper. I was running. So I was always, you know, metabolism, metabolism through the roof. But now a, a dude metabolism ain't like that. Oh no! Oh and like no! You, and like you say, you got something regulating your metabolism, so you need that medication to keep you moving. But I can guarantee your brain is like, you know what? With or without the medicine, I'm still gonna keep it moving. But the thing, the one of the other side effects or the the symptoms of um of of thyroid cancer, and like there's there's two different like sides of it. You can be either hyper thyroidism or hypothyroidism i was just reading it wow so i've been fluctuating back and forth and that has in a sense been the result of my weight loss but one of the other things is that you know i have difficulty in concentration now and 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 i have like the brain fog so like my my memory is not as sharp you know i gotta write things down i gotta put things in my calendar i have to you know do those those checklist things to make sure that you know I don't miss anything that I don't over overdo it on you know either my foods or the medications and everything. So everything right. now is set into a, on a schedule in my in my phone. 
Okay. And it lets me know when I'm supposed to take what, what medication and what I'm supposed to be doing, the amount of water and everything I'm supposed to be drinking. Okay. And, you know, that check, that double check in regards. Because now I have to check my blood sugar and I have to check my blood pressure pretty much every day. Every day. Every day. And that's the same thing a person would have to do if they had diabetes, right? Absolutely. So with everything, you know, my numbers and everything were insane when I first came home after my um, surgery. Like my numbers were through the roof. My blood pressure was really high. My blood sugar was pretty high. And they were like, you know, well, we're going to give you medication. I'm like, time out. Wait a minute. Why are you giving me medication and you just cut me open? Yeah. You know, my body is traumatized. Like, you know, slow, slow your roll a minute. And that that's only because I read up on it and I understood, you know, what what my body was going to go through and you know the possibilities so don't try to like give me extra medication and that's when i was able to call that doctor again right and say yo like you know they're trying to give me some extra medicine for this this and that and she was like you know come see me right and you know she was like you know look no let's give it a couple of weeks let's see if your body balances out and you know and we'll check you in the next couple of weeks if your numbers are still high then let's talk about it right you know, so I, I I can I definitely can appreciate my 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 team now. They actually listen and they communicate with each other. That's another thing, especially being you know when you're in the the, the cancer fight, when you have a team of different physicians. Um, you know, they're they all have to be on the same same page. Okay. Um, so you know, you can't have one that's recommending a higher dosage, and the other one is saying that what about the other things. Right. Because that one specialist is focusing simply on the cancer. You need that other advocate that's going to um, fight for your kidneys, your heart, your your liver. And, for everything. Yeah. Yeah, well, everything. So I, I, I've been pretty fortunate, although I went through the craziness with the other doctor. I think I've, I've been pretty fortunate with the team now that I have. That's what's up. That's good to know. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's one thing that I, I I'm huge on as well is is just because th- this doctor has been in the family for years don't necessarily mean that you need to stay there. Right, right. You know your body changed. You know this doctor was probably from your great grandfather or your great grandmother right. or something. That medicine back then is not the same, and the techniques and everything are not the same nowadays. So, you know, be open to branching out and finding a new doctor. It's not being disrespectful to the family, but it's making sure that you take care of you and that you're you're receiving the best care. I mean, it, it, it makes perfect sense to do that, though. Yeah, some people, I, I, I have friends that, you know, they're like, this doctor has been in the family for over 40 years. But, you know, this is this is not 40 years ago. Yeah. You know, you need to make sure that you are receiving the best care of what is going on with you today, not from 40 years ago. Right. Because 40 years ago, I mean, totally different. Absolutely. Food was different. I mean, Mm -hmm. shit, back then, food was much healthier, shit. Mm -hmm. All these steroids and hormones. Don't get me started. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's a a struggle every day because it's like we eating, you know, know, like, like we say we trying to eat healthier. Mm-hmm. But it's like we really don't know what's up with that salmon when we buy it. Absolutely. We really don't know what's up with that chicken when we buy it. I mean, we really don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. religious, not religious, you know, you pray over your food, you don't pray over your food. It don't matter. If it's something in that food, 
it's going to be in your system. And back in the day when we were growing up, what was organic? What was gluten-free? What is that? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, I, like I was just telling my man, I was like, Slim, when I was in elementary school, you know, some of the women that I, well, lady, young ladies that I was in school with were built like grown women. I mean, <laughs> I I loved going to school. I mean, <laughs> I mean, listen. Woo, Jamila Young. Oh my God. God <laughs> Lord. I mean, Jamila Young was one of the reasons why when, when school, that first day of school, your boy was fresh. Like, <laughs> I want you to be able to see me, Jamila Young, and know I'm fresh. And so whenever you ready to come and talk to me, yeah, Rick James, off the break. <laughs> off the break. God, I, I wasn't as fortunate, you know, the girls and everything. Oh, man. They were either straight up and down. You had to look at them and see if it was a boy. And then the boys, they was tall and lanky. So, and then the ones that did play football that were a little stockier and everything, you knew they had two cheeseburgers probably every night. Oh, that's that's what it is. <laughs> two cheeseburgers. That, that's how it was back when I was in school. It wasn't nothing very distinctive. It was every every once in a while there was that that one chick that had a a nice body, and then one dude that had a nice physique. But you know they kind of kind of worked on it. So Man. we had those. You know, oh, you that that girl was a uh, farm raised in oh, a sense. Uh, oh my god! I mean, her body, man. Oh my. <laughs> Focus, Kevin. Focus. I'm, I'm, I'm focused, and I'm just like, you know, it, it just seemed like, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about the, you know, what, we, what, what, what we put in our bodies, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I mean, even, even though it hasn't been as bad, even though there are some younger women out here that I see sometimes, and I be looking, I be like, wait a minute, like, mm -hmm. really? Like, is that, is that what we doing today? Definitely. We doing that? Right. And sometimes it, you know, it it doesn't totally make sense for me, but I mean, for me to be, you know, um, somebody who has actually died of cancer, of a, you know, type of cancer, I think it's kind of my duty to share my story. So that way, mm -hmm. if somebody is dealing with it now, you know, they not necessarily can say, you know, they know what to do or how to feel but you know they can listen to us you know me and you and just be like okay it's actually people out here you know that's dealing with it that's got through it and i mean the best way to get through it is to talk about it right it's the best way to do it like i mean mm -hmm. when i start going to therapy for certain things for, for you know just for my life in general it just mm -hmm. seemed like you know um uncomfortable because you know think about it when you um find out that you have something like this type of disease is very uncomfortable because like you just said you didn't want to talk to anybody about it or you didn't know how you know you want to present that to them like mm -hmm. you know like how do you how do you present yourself with that and so mm -hmm. you know with the with the whole you know going to therapy thing for me it helped me because it was a lot going on with me that I didn't even know about and you know it was affecting me physically and it scared me because I thought something was wrong Right. And it was nothing wrong. It was just my my stress level. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think so for, what has what has helped me with this whole situation is that I was completely honest with 
my feelings in regard to it. And with me now being more comfortable talking about it, you know, because you, you don't talk, no one really talks about thyroid cancer. Right. You hear about the breast cancers, you hear about the the cervical cancers, the ovarian cancers, and things of that nature. You don't really hear folks talk about thyroid cancer because of, you know, as I mentioned before, the high survival rate. Yeah. But what has this getting this diagnosis has changed my life. Absolutely. It has changed my life and the life of my family and friends. You know, it, it, it's something that, you know, my friend was just telling me today and he basically is saying that he doesn't want this to become an everyday discussion, but it's part of my everyday, but I hear him and I hear that what he's saying is that, you know, don't get so deep into it where it sucks you into a very dark place. Right. And, um, I, what I have done is spread that awareness and have folks feel very comfortable coming to me because as of recently, I've had several people reach out and say that, you know, they have been feeling the same things I was feeling, but they were scared to go to the doctor. Right. Others have been, um, they've gone to the doctor and they've found out that they're okay, but they found something else or, you know, a girlfriend recently she went in for something else and then she also found out not only did she have cervical cancer but she had thyroid cancer right so this again goes back to knowing your body and listening to your body and 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 now i now it's just a day by day learning process for me it's a day by day coping process and 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 just last week i i I had to do a check-in with my people. Okay. You know, not, I'm not the only one that is going through this. Right. You know, my I, I checked in with my aunt. I checked in with my cousin. Okay. You know, you know, there's some family members that are not dealing with this this news very well, and that's right. hurtful for me. But I can't take that burden on. But it, although it's still hurtful, I need to let them deal with this information yeah. in their own way and in yeah. their own time. Respectfully, so respectfully. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, then there's other people that have been in my life that have been uh, solid as a rock. You know, they have not left my side since me telling them what was going on. And they have not um, faltered in their loyalty to me right. since, since this. But then there's those others, you know, like I mentioned, it's like, you know, again, cancer paralyzes you. So you really don't know how you will deal with it until it's in front of you. Right. You can definitely say, you know, as a friend and everything, oh, girl, I'm going to be there. All you got to do is call me and da 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 da. And, you know, but when a friend, someone that you care for, someone that you love comes to you with this diagnosis. A homie, what, yeah, man. What do you do with that? Yeah. You know, so I had to, I had to, you know, step back and get out of my feelings in regard to what I expected of my quote unquote support system. Right. And, you know, it's just been like, you know what? I know it hurt, it hurt your feelings. It probably scares you. You really don't know what the words to say and everything, but 
I mean, I've just been taking it in stride and just making sure that if someone does reach out to me, you know, that I have an answer for them. Right. You know, that's, that I that's all I, you want to do, really. You know, that's all yeah, that's 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 all I'm 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 able to do right now because I mean, in a sense, I have to be selfish. I have to take care of me. Absolutely. I'm in a very, very sensitive state right now where I'm sorry, I can't come to that birthday party. I can't hang out. I can't meet you for happy hour. I can't right. do this and everything because if my body tells me no, then I have no choice but to listen to it. Right. That's good mm-hmm. stuff, man. I mean, I, I mean, I'm honestly honored that I was able to catch you and, and, and get to do this because I felt like, you know, why not do it now? It's the right time. It's the right month. Why not get it in and and, and 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 talk about it? And I have been, you know, thinking about it. So I'm just, I'm just happy that we had a chance to do it, man. Um, Absolutely. I mean, as as always, you you know, I love you in heart, spirit, uh, spiritually, uh, physically. I mean, not you know, not like that, <clears throat> but you know, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I, I that's why I, I wanted to. I wanted we got to respect sure. for each other. Awesome. Yeah, I, want, I wanted to make sure that I could go on the trip, man, because I was like, one, I ain't never been in. Two, why not? I mean, it's her birthday, and now this, I'm like, yeah, let's roll. We're gonna go. We're gonna go get it in and party. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad. I'm I'm glad we got to do this. I'm glad you um gave me some time. Um, I appreciate you sharing some stuff. You know that will maybe help somebody. You know, some way, shape, or form, and just. You know, putting it out there, and, you know, being honest with the people. So again, I thank you. Um, I'm hoping that I can get you on here at another time. You know, maybe to talk about something else, or so just give us an update and let us know how everything going, and you know, just letting us know that you know you good. Absolutely, absolutely. We we are in like I said, we are in a treatment. So as soon as we find out what this new um, uh, finding really is. Um, then we're going to probably kind of change courses and get a little bit more aggressive, but I'm ready. Let's okay. just get it over with because, you know, we got um, shit to do. Yeah. I, need, I, need some, I need some passport stamps. This has kept me from traveling like I want to this year, so I'm ready to get back in it. Right. All right. Well, I'm going to stay. I'm, 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 I'm going to keep in touch. Um, I'm praying everything going to turn out the way it's supposed to be. And Thanks. hoping when St. Lucie turn around, we go turn up. Absolutely. And I'll have a cancer-free diagnosis. Thanks, babe. Hey, y'all know, y'all know how to find me, man. Y'all know what we do, man. That's what we do. We talk about the real shit and, and, and keep it coming. So I appreciate y'all listening, man. And thankful that y'all continue to tune in, man. I appreciate it. Love y'all, man. I'm out.
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, The Six Man, and you are tuned into Real Talk with The Six Man. I wanted to take some time this month, October, to uh, highlight some, some of the people that's out there struggling with cancer, some of the people that's out there dealing with this. This thing is, is killing people left and right. Um, the stuff that we put in our body is is affecting us more than we think. And we got to take time to recognize that it's happening. <clears throat> I actually lost my father back in 2010 to skin cancer and it crushed me. I mean, I didn't realize, you know, how much he meant to me until he was gone. I mean, I didn't really adapt to the fact that he was gone until months later and it hit me and it crushed me like a ton of bricks. I couldn't call my father no more. We couldn't hang out. I couldn't drink beer with him no more. We couldn't watch the skins game. I couldn't talk to him about some of the stuff that I was going through. And I can only imagine, you know, how it was affecting other families. So I wanted to highlight it this month myself and wanted to talk to some people who either are surviving it, talk to family members, you know, uh, with somebody who's dealing with it and just wanted to just, you know, take some time and, 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 and get some awareness on it and talk to some people. So that way we can motivate other people to continue to pay attention to what's going on with their bodies and, you know, just making sure that we're doing the right things, you know, detection and getting tests and, you know, all that good stuff. So uh, I got a guest with me this morning. I wanted to take some time and, you know, let her share her testimony, let her get through her story and just let her give you an opportunity of what she went through um, as a survivor. And so um, I want to, you know, address some things and, you know, get some things cleared up. So, Brandy, are you there? Yes. yes. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I'm grading yourself. So first and foremost, let me thank you for taking some time with me, you know, to, to talk about this. I mean, I know it's a touchy subject. I know a lot of people, you know, it takes a lot of courage for people to want to sit down and talk about it. Um, again, um, I got a, I had a dad um, who who uh, we who we lost back in 2010 um, of melanoma, skin cancer. And, you know, it was rough on us. It was rough on my entire family. And like I was saying in the, um, the monologue that. You know, I didn't really realize that, you know, it, it affected me that much until maybe months later when he was gone, when I couldn't talk to him, when I couldn't pick up the phone or him. And I, even now, you know, when I look at my daughters, you know, here it is. I got two daughters, one twenty three and one four that, you know, he's not they're not able to go to grandpa. You know what I mean? So it's been a struggle with me as well. So um, I want to thank you again for just allowing me some time and just want to get through your testimony and your journey. So if you would. Kind of take us through your journey and kind of, you know, give us an idea of what you want people to know about breast cancer. Okay, thank you. Um, so, again, my name is Brandy. I am a seven-year breast cancer survivor. Um, May of 2019 will be my eighth-year anniversary. Um, my journey actually started at a young age of 29. Um, mm. <clears throat> I was 29 when I received my diagnosis, um, and the way it kind of began um, was actually that April of 2011, just at home, you know, filling my boobs, laying down, and, you know, something. Being nasty. You better yeah. stop being nasty. <laughs> you know, a little self-gratification, but, you know, filling my boobs and felt something, you know, didn't feel a little bit right. Right. And at the time I was in the medical field. So I was used to caring for cancer patients, actually, which um, enlightens my testimony even more because, um, you know, I felt God, God educationally prepared me for what was to come. Mm -hmm. 
But I was so used to, you know, caring for cancer patients all day, every day and seeing some success stories and some not good successful stories. Right. Um, but when I found felt this lump, rather, um, I didn't hesitate. I did call my doctor. And when I went to her first visit, she was pretty adamant as well. She's like, oh, this is just a cyst. Um, wow. Um, because usually, so right when I found this lump, I was actually ending my menstrual cycle. So what okay. women don't know is that usually around your menstrual cycle, before, during, and after, women's breasts do become more dense. And so sometimes it is common to feel, you know, some abnormalities, you know, around okay. that time of the month. Okay. So it was around my time of the month. So me finding this little lump, you know, I didn't think anything negative, um, but I knew that because it was something out of my norm that I needed to get it checked out. Good. <clears throat> So as I stated, I went to my doctor and she was pretty much sold as well. She's like, oh, nothing to worry about. It's just a cyst, you know, but I'm going to still send you for some testing, you know, just to be on the safe side. And so we did that. I went in for my first mammogram at the young age of 29. Mm -hmm. And the mammogram, they came back and said um, they really couldn't get good pictures and they wanted to do an ultrasound next. So my okay. my you know, light bulbs kind of started to go off at that time, even before the diagnosis again. Because that because... made you that made you feel like something was really going on. Yes, yes. And like I said, because I worked with it so much in my job, I was like, okay, you know, this may not be as, you know, simple as I thought it was. So I went for an ultrasound mm -hmm. and they came back and said, oh, well, you know, we do see some little spot. It looks like a cyst, but, you know, to be on the safe side, we want to biopsy it. So, again, at this time, I'm like, okay, Lord, you about to have something up my sleeve for me. Like, this is really going much further than I had mentally anticipated for. Yeah, because biopsy is when they actually go in mm -hmm. and cut and take a sample. Yep, yep. So, again, me and my mom, we go to the doctor's office and get this biopsy done. And they said, okay, well, it'll take um, a couple days. I think this was like a Wednesday. And the doctor said, okay, well, you should hear from me like Friday with the results. And so mentally at that time, I was still holding on to the faith that this was all just a benign situation, meaning non-cancerous situation. And right. I didn't want to jump to conclusions. Right. But a part of my gut still was like, prepare for the worst. You right. know? And so May the 5th of 2011, I remember the time it was at 7.59 PM. Mm. I get a phone call and I was, I was home. My son was home at the time, but he was in his room sleep. Okay. But I can remember the doctor saying, can I speak to Miss Elsie? And I'm like, yes, this is she. And he said, this is Dr. Red. I remember his name. And he said, you know, unfortunately, and at that time, I sort of blanked out. I, right. I can't really remember every word he said. Right. Other than. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. And yeah. I, I remember him saying the words cancer. Wow. And he, he talked for a couple minutes. And like I said, I really don't remember half of what he said. Right. But I remember my first words to him was, what do I have to do to live? And so he said, well, you know, I need you to make some appointments to get some, you know, follow-up testing done. Mm -hmm. And I hung up the phone with him and I just 
I mean, I remember just bawling, just crying, just inconsolable. And I had called my mom, who all my family had been waiting, of course, to get what this news was going to be. Right. And I called my mom and I told her the news and she couldn't stay on the phone. She got off the phone. Um, at the time, I called my son's dad to tell him to come pick my son up just because I knew emotionally I didn't want him, you know, around at the time. Right. Um, and that next, that morning, actually, um, I actually went in to get a MRI done. And it's like everything kind of happened expeditiously after that. Um, I went in for an MRI so that they can try to get more information about the type of tumor it was. Um, and then I had to go have a sit down with a surgical, with a breast surgeon. Okay. So me and my mom went to this appointment and when I got the diagnosis, my, my initial thoughts were directly on my son. My son was seven or eight at the time. Right. And I just could not imagine not living for him exactly. not being here to raise him. Exactly. And so once they told me I had breast cancer, my initial thought of treatment, I said I wanted both of my breasts removed. There was no if, ands, buts about it. Nothing that anyone can say or do to change my mind. Um, I wanted them gone. And so okay. when we went to go talk to the breast surgeon, um, she told me my tumor was a stage one, which was an extremely early cancer. So actually me performing my own self-exam found it at a very, very early stage, which was part of my blessing. Um, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. So you mean to tell me you being freaky diggy in the room by yourself was the blessing? Listen, save my own life. See what I'm talking wow. about? <laughs> save wow. Save my own life. That's what's up. So, yes. So it was a stage one, but it was categorized as a grade three. So a grade three is a fast growing tumor. So even with her spill, you know, of talking to me, her recommendations were just to get the lump removed. And um, so basically preserving my breast, just remove the lump and go undergo chemotherapy and radiation. Okay. And I listened to her, you know, and I totally respected her, her opinion um, but when she got finished, I told her, you know, I'm sorry, but I made up my decision from when I got a phone call a week ago. You know, I want both breasts removed. Mm -hmm. And her her response to me was, you're so young. You're too you're too young to, you know, go through that type of surgery. You may have a body image complex. And I say, well, I wasn't too young to get breast cancer. You right. know, the, right. the textbook and the world presents this picture like right. only older women get breast cancer right you know guidelines don't even recommend you get mammograms until you're after 40 right. so you know cancer is the complete opposite of how it's painted towards us especially the african-american community correct. in particular correct um so, you know, I told her, you know, my decision has been made. I want them both gone, you know, and I gave her my rationale and she literally embraced me. She was like, I totally commend just your, your being upfront and honest, you know, and basically keeping it real because that's right. literally how I was. I told her, I said, you know, my breasts don't define who I am, you know, and I said, I have to be here for my son. So right. this cancer decided to enter my body. I'm making the decision to remove it and everything that it entered, which was my breast. 
That makes sense. So I had on May the 26th of 2011, I underwent um, a bilateral mastectomy, which was complete removal of my entire breast, breast tissue, everything. Um, And it's so funny, but before my diagnosis, I was a pretty breasted, big breasted woman. I was like a triple D. Yes, you were. Yes. And so when <laughs> and so when I made the decision to get them removed, I can remember talking with my plastic surgeon and he's like, uh-huh. so, you know, do you want to go back to? And I was like, what? Absolutely not. I said, I've never been perky in my whole life. If you give me a perky seat, I'm going to rock them bad boys like it's nobody's business. Like, right. I, <laughs> give me something cute and perky and I'm and I'm satisfied. Right. And so once they removed my breast, I had to start the process of reconstruction. So basically okay. they went in and put in they're called um fillers. So it's like okay. just a piece of silicone they put in and then every week I had to go um to my plastic surgeon and have him basically fill up my breast. And this went okay. on for it took probably a couple months. Is that is that is that is that for a more natural look or I mean Well no, it was basically to get the silicone to the size I wanted. So basically gotcha. when they put it in, I'ma just guess and say it had like maybe fifty mLs of fluid in there. And then okay. every week I went in, they basically just kept putting in fifty, fifty until I say, Okay, stop, this is the size I wanna be. Don't go okay, no gotcha. further. Okay. So that took like a couple months. And then once I reached my desired size, um, those spacers basically had to stay in to allow it to stretch my skin out the way it needed to be stretched out. Um, okay. So through that time, it was very painful. You know, this whole ordeal was painful mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, but, you know, I had to start to embrace the present. You know, at the end of the day, I was here. And that was my ultimate goal. Right. Um, So right around this time, I also had to start chemotherapy. Um, Again, imagine 29 years old, you know, not really ever having no major illnesses. And now the doctors tell me I have to go to chemotherapy and I'm going to lose all my hair and I'm going to have all these other side effects. Right. Um, So that mentally in the beginning took a toll on me as well. You know, I had to figure out how to talk to my son about what he was about to witness his mother going through, you know, and how how he was going to now see his mother looking, you know? And so it was challenging. You know, I can remember sitting down praying to God, just like, I'm letting you lead this ship. Like, tell me when you want me to talk to him, tell me what you want me to say, because I don't know what to do, you know? And if, and if it comes from me, I'm going to probably be an emotional mess. So, you know, he orchestrated, all of my steps and you know my initial conversation with my son was so unexpected to for him to be such a young child because he embraced it you know he had questions which caught me off guard you know I wasn't expecting him to be like okay mom so when your head fall out then what's gonna happen you know I wasn't ready I wasn't expecting that but I was ready for you know for for him to be comfortable right and so I started this chemotherapy and you know, I say to this day, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. You know, it because right, it's it's bad because my father, my father did it, um, and it was like, I mean, Brandy, my father was like six one, 
260, you know, solid. And when he started this chemotherapy, man, I mean, it just, it just shrunk him. I mean, he turned into somebody, I was like, I mean, it was, it was, like you say, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want anybody to have to go through that. Not at all. Not at all. And like I said, because I was so used to seeing those kind of patients, you know, my mind went to some of the worst cases that I had seen, you know, so I'm like, I'm going to lose all my hair. I'm going to lose all this weight. You know, I'm going to look sick. Um, and that was my biggest fear. So I can remember when I went to talk to my doctor, I told her, I said, I understand I have to go through chemotherapy, but I don't want to look like a sick patient. <clears throat> Sorry. I told her I don't want to look like a cancer patient. So I had to start steroids anyway because of my treatment. And so okay. my steroids actually caused me to gain a ton of weight. So I was the opposite. You know, I didn't lose the weight to where I was looking skinny. I gained oh. it. Yeah, I gained okay. it. So and and that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't something that they did for you specifically. That was just the, the outcome of what happened. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So my medication put a ton of weight on me um, and probably some depression, you know, played a part of that. Um, right. Just feeling fatigued. But I was satisfied with that because, like I said, I didn't want to look like I was sick. You know, I was fine right. with looking like a little meatball, butterball. <laughs> right. <clears throat> other than, you know, losing a ton of weight. So my chemotherapy was pretty extensive. Like I said, I lost all my hair and I can remember. So I've always had really, really long hair. And the first, after the first chemotherapy, um, I came home and probably within a couple days later, like my scalp started to feel funny. And for women that get perms, they know what I'm talking about. When you put that perm in your head and it's in too long and that thing started to burn, that's what my scalp right. started to feel like. And I was, oh like, boy. I was like, oh, okay, so this must be what this is going to feel like. Right. And lo and behold, um, I went to go take a shower and, you know, just rub through my hair and some of my hair started to fall out. And so, oh, wow. so I mentally, you know, put two and two together. I said, okay, well, I know when my scalp feel like a perm burning, that it's, it's basically dying from my roots. Right. So I told my mom, I said, nothing is going to devastate me more than either waking up to all of my hair laying on my pillow or getting in the shower and looking down and just a pile of hair in the tub. Right. So I made a decision. I was like, take me to the barber shop. And get rid and just of let me stuff. cut it off. Yeah, just right. get rid of right. it. I don't want to have to deal with that emotional roller coaster. <clears throat> right. And that proved to be probably one of the biggest hurdles for my family is when I lost my hair. I think that kind of maybe solidified my reality to them, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it was and it was visual. It was visual. Yes, and that was the visual part because my my overall side effects from the chemo weren't too too bad. Like I didn't have a lot of vomiting, you know. Um, okay. Just like some of the more visual side effects you see with chemo, I didn't experience them in the beginning. Okay. But when it was time to lose my hair, you know, like I said, my mom broke down, my god sister 
wouldn't come around me for a while unless I had my scarf on my head. Like that whole reality, like really shook their world upside down. Wow. And so, you know, I went through this chemotherapy. Um, I had to do the real heavy duty chemo, as they call it, for six months. Um, mm. And like I said, I became very weak. I can remember not even really being able to go up and down stairs. You know, I just yeah, because the chemo, because the chemo attacks everything, good and bad. Everything, and that's and that's the the devil of it. It attacks the good and the bad. It has no cut cause, can care less of what's going on. It's attacking everything. So right. I mean, I remember days I couldn't even hold a fork or a spoon. Like I was just so weak and so shaky. Yeah. Um, but I went through that chemotherapy, and then. I also had to do um, one of the chemos for a whole year because of the type of receptors I had. And the, okay. the only good thing with that chemo, the one that was a year long, is it didn't have a ton of bad side effects. Okay. So right after the first of the year, like around 2012, is when I actually decided to try to go back to work again um, with getting this chemotherapy. Okay. And so, like I said, my surgery, I had pretty much healed up for the most part, um, had started the process of reconstructing me some boobs, um, and then it was just the chemotherapy. So when I went back to work, you know, I was kind of like, you know, what kind of field do I want to go in? You know, um, oh, I failed to mention when I got diagnosed, I was actually a hospice nurse. So I was working with death and dying. So basically... Mm -hmm. I'm basically preparing families for their loved ones that's actively dying. Right. So, you know, I had to make a decision when it was time to go back. You know, am I emotionally ready to deal with that type of death and dying all day, every day? Right. Knowing, knowing that you're in the predicament that you Yes, because I'm still going through my own stuff. You know, I hadn't right. been cleared. Um, but at the time I said, well, you know, no, that's 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 not for me. I wouldn't recommend it. So I actually started caring for, um, I went into the clinic and started caring for um, uh, a GYN oncology clinic. So okay. along this testimony, you know, I had went to nursing school. So by this time I had been a nurse for years. Um, and like I said, cancer had, has still, and it's still my passion. Um, but I went into this clinic and it was so ironic that, part of my duties were reviewing mammograms and, you know, oh, basically wow. making callback calls to patients if they needed to be seen again. Wow. And when I originally interviewed for this job, of course, I didn't anticipate having to do that. You know, I'm just working in this new job. These women I'm working with don't know what I'm going through, you know. Okay. Um, but I can remember one particular incident um, I had, I wasn't sure of how to interpret this mammogram. And I asked one of the nurses that was training me and she was an older nurse, like in her fifties. And I said, you know, um, help me with this. You know, what am I, what am I making out of this? And so she looks at me and remind you, I'm still going through chemo at this time. I'm wearing wigs. Like I said, I had been at that job less than a month. She don't okay. know what I'm doing. I'm leaving work every, um, once a week to go get my treatments again. She know nothing about me. Okay. And I'm asking her the question and she's like, um, oh, you know, you're too young. You don't, you don't know, you don't understand about mammograms or something. And whatever it was, it just sort of set me off. Because wow. one of my biggest 
things that I, my pet peeves, even to this day, is to hear anyone say what someone is too young for. And so I actually pulled, I was like, can I see you for a second? And I pulled her out and we went into one of the empty little exam rooms. And I said, I want you to be mindful when you say what someone is too young for. And I actually snatched my wig off. And I said, I'm going through breast cancer treatment right now. And I'm 29. So don't ever tell anyone what they're too young for because you don't right. like you don't know their story. And I right. I apologize down the line, you know what I'm saying? Because she ended up in tears. But like I said, society Because you treated- because in that moment, but in that moment you changed their life in that moment. Right. Because people don't understand that when they say stuff, you know, I be I hear pastors all the time talking about the power of the tongue. And people don't understand how powerful our words are mm-hmm. to someone else if we do not know what they're going mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. And like I said, because society has created such a picture, you know what I'm saying, especially about breast cancer. And like I said, for her to be a nurse and make that kind of statement, I'm like, you care for these kind of people. Maybe you've been blessed enough not to come across a young person that has been through this battle but right. you should know that anyone is susceptible to this horrible disease. Like age Absolutely. is not a factor. Right. And so, like I said, from that point on, you know, I kind of had to put my own pieces back together, you know, dealing with, again, being 29, trying to accept my new body image, you know, of not having breasts. And, you know, the implants are good. They look good when I got clothes on, you know, but my reality is every night when I take my clothes off, you know, I have to stare at my scars and it's a reminder of, you know, what I've been through, you know what I'm saying? And so I try to use my testimony, you know, to a lot of women, you know, because I feel like God didn't give me this to keep my mouth shut. You know, I, I really believe he gave it to me to be a voice, you know, absolutely for young women and to our African-American women, because since my diagnosis, you know, around October and throughout the year, you know, I, um, you know, post stuff about breast cancer awareness and asking, do you feel your boobs? And I've gotten so many women that I went to school with, you know, that inbox me like, oh my God, like, help me. Like, can I talk to you? And I'm like, yeah, because right. I don't want you to feel like you just out here trying to just guess, you know, a lot of right. women will feel something but do nothing about it you know because of the fear of the unknown so you and know. it's and 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 this and this and this and it's strange well not strange but it's strange how facebook keeps people connected in ways that they don't even know keeps people connected because i remember seeing your walks i remember seeing your pictures i remember seeing a picture with you and you had like a um I once it wasn't a scarf, but it was like a wrap, and it was like so close to your head. And I was like, "Wait a minute!" I remember Brandy had long hair, mm-hmm. but then you you know how you scroll through Facebook and you just look at the picture, but you don't look at the caption, you don't read what's going mm-hmm. on. And for some <laughs> reason, when when I looked at that picture and I saw your face with the wrap, and I and I looked at it, I was like, "Hold on!" And then I started reading, and then I was like, "Wait a minute!" It took me it. it I was I was at a loss for words because I was like, I remember Brandy. I remember her, you know, in the hallway. I remember us talking trash. I remember, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was just like, it was like, damn. And so Facebook keeps people connected in ways that I don't even think they keep people connected. But in my own way, I stayed, you know, um, I want to say I kind of stayed away from it because, again, 
you know, I was kind of going through something myself at the time. And it was just like, you know, I'm going to just pray for her. Mm -hmm. I mean, because at the end of the day, that's really all you can do. And it's like, we don't see each other all the time. I mean, we definitely got our own lives. We definitely got our own schedule. But I think at the end of the day, if, if it's somebody that I connected with in my life, and I strongly believe this, if you connected with somebody in your life and it was on a positive note, they're always going to be connected to you at some point in your life. Definitely. You, you'll always stay connected. Even if I see you at the grocery store and I ain't saw you in 10 years, the first thing is going to be, Kevin, mm -hmm. and then it'll be, girl, what's up? How you doing? <laughs> so that connection never leaves because you always left on a positive note. So when I used to look at your post, I used to be like, wow. I mean, and it just hit home because, I mean, yeah, I knew people, you know, that had it. I knew people who had gone through it family members, friends, or whatever, but for somebody that I walked down the hallway with mm -hmm. in high school and to see them, I was like, damn. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was, it was so good to see you and, 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 and the way you were post, like you say, the way you were posting stuff, the walks and all of that stuff. And I was just like, wow. I mean, I remember you had a picture and it was you and your son and your son had, you know, his breast cancer stuff on. I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it was it was amazing to see you, you know, just through Facebook. Yeah, and like I said, I the blessing has been in that, you know, being able to now pour into people. I just right. had a girl, we went to high school together again. We may have said hi bye when we seen each other in the halls, but we follow each other on social media and she was just diagnosed and she lives in Texas. And as soon oh, wow. as I saw her diagnosis, I had inboxed her and was like, listen, like, call, like I'm here if you want to reach out to me. Like I said, we weren't like friends in high school and it took her a while. But the other day she finally inboxed me and was like, can I call you? And I was like, absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, the connection that has already been made, she was like, you don't understand, like, how I thank you for this talk. You know, she was like. And she's a nurse, too, so our testimonies are kind of, you know, similar to the way our family has yeah. been orchestrated. Her children are about the same age that my son was back then. But I'm like, you know, it's so easy to sympathize with somebody, you know. And, right. and I know in nursing school, they always used to tell us, never empathize, you know, get away from that, you know, saying, I know what you're going through or it will be okay, you know, giving that right. kind of false hope. But right. one thing that I, I embrace in my new reality is I can now empathize with people, you know? Right. So when I know somebody that's going through or even some of my own patients, you know, where I feel it's appropriate to share my own testimony, I empathize mm -hmm. with them. And I say, I understand what you're going through. You know, I was once right. in this hospital bed, like I get it, you know, and right. that sometimes encourages them because again, if you don't really know a lot of success stories or have a huge, you know, educational background of why this is going on, how this is going on, what options are out there. Because, again, right. doctors will only try to paint, you know, minimum options to you because they don't right. want to, you know, give you the bigger picture of it. But I'm like, right. at the end of the day, like, you have to live with this the rest of your life. You know, I tell people all the time, just because I'm in remission, and I don't have the cancer, I have to fight for my life every day. You know? Absolutely. And even though I got my breast removed, I can go to my doctor tomorrow and they tell me it came back in my chest wall. You know, so this, right. this is now a lifetime reality. So every day that 
I'm here and I'm healthy and I don't have to hear that horrible diagnosis again, you know, that's my opportunity to educate others, like especially young women, like fill your breasts, get your partners right. to fill your breasts. Right. So that as soon as you or your partner feels, hey, babe, this wasn't here last month. Like, yeah, let's right. let's let's see what that's like, because you will be surprised, you know, and I've come across so many young women that have, you know, either are fighting this battle or have lost. You know, I've connected with this father on Facebook, never met him before. They live in Richmond. His daughter passed away last year at the age of 19 from breast cancer. Oh, wow. 19 years old. And I can remember before she passed, I would follow her. You know, we were, you know, some of us survivors, we had this little group, you know, we, okay. and we um, follow each other and encourage each okay. other. But this little girl was such a ray of sunshine to be going through breast cancer. And again, right. she was 19. Of course, she sure wasn't doing self-exams. And by the time they detected it, it had already spread to her brain. And so, you know, her her time on this earth was cut extremely short just because she wasn't taught to look for these kind of things at such a young age. Right. And so, you know, now that she's lost her life, he uses his voice to advocate, you know, what I'm saying to be like, listen, my daughter was only 19 years old. Like it can happen to you. So, right. you know, I I. I get emotional during the month of October, but like I said, I, I've learned to count my blessings and not dwell on all that I've been through. You know what I'm saying? I look at who I am today and, you know, I look at the accomplishments that I'm here to witness my son go through. And, you know, I try to just, you know, love on all of that. Cause I'm like eight, mm -hmm. eight years ago, my story could have been much different. You know what I'm saying? So I get excited when, you know, I can hear someone say happy birthday or happy cancerversary, you know, because right. I know they could be posting rest in peace, you know, signs right. and messages about me. So right. it's, you know, it's def definitely not something to take lightly. And I definitely commend you for, you know, even allowing me to share my testimony in hopes that it does, you know, touch someone, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because I feel like at the end of the day, like you said, I mean, we you know, we take a lot of things for granted because we got the hustle and bustle of our days and we got kids, we got schedules, you know, we got stuff that we doing, but we have to take the time now to actually get in tune. And I don't want to say, listen, I don't want to say, you know, pay attention. No, we have to be in tune with our bodies because our bodies are so aerodynamic. It will let you know, Hey, your ankle hurt. Hey, your finger, you know, you hit your finger or, you know, you, you know, like even if you don't know that you bumped your knee in a, in a couple minutes, 30 minutes, hour, your knee is you're like, man, what I do? I ain't know I hit. So we got to pay attention to the stuff that's going on with our bodies. And at the end of the day, I feel like for me and just with this show and, you know, I, you know, people were asking me, you know, what's the what's the main thing that you want to get out of your show? I was like, the main thing I want to get out of my show is I just want to share. I want to share life experiences with people. And if I can add people to come on to my show to add to those life experiences, they don't have to go through the same stuff that myself and my guests had to go through. They can take another direction, go another route, you know, you know, and just, and just, and just have a better opportunity than we may have had. Definitely. Definitely. You know what I mean? And you, and so that's kind of where I'm at. And like I said, you, you, 
basically hit the head, the nail on the head with saying, be in tune. You know, so many people are so prideful, you know what I'm saying? And they try to, everyone is going through something, you know, but, you know, they feel embarrassed or too prideful to want to, you know, speak up or acknowledge their mess because they think in their mind, I'm the only one that's going through this mess or, you know, people wouldn't expect me to go through this kind of mess. You know what I'm saying? I remember you from high school, you know what I'm saying? And all you as a person, you know what I'm saying? I remember how accomplished you are in the popularity per se that you had <laughs> from high school. <clears throat> and so to know some of your testimony, you know what I'm saying? From just being on face social media, you know, people probably wouldn't expect, Kevin to, you know what I'm saying, voice stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? People, yeah. people paint such a picture because of how they think the type of person you are. Yeah. So when I was going through my stuff, people weren't expecting me to post pictures when Brandy didn't look like real Brandy, you know, right. these bald head pictures. Yes, I'm, right. yes, I'm going to post pictures that I don't have breasts because I hope that it saved your life. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. The, the being in tune is, you can't say it no better way. Because right. you're not, you know what I'm saying? It can happen to you, you know what I'm saying? And I voice it so, so much. I'm like, just know that I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? God didn't say, oh, Brandy's living this, what people think is a perfect life. So, yeah, I'm not going to give her cancer. No, he, right. he, whoever gave it to me, him, because he needed me to have a testimony today. But, you know, everyone just needs to be aware, like, your mess is somebody else's mess. You know what I'm saying? And the way that you grow through it, you know what I'm saying? It's about talking to it, talking to other people. And it helps you in the long run to be able to, you know, express those concerns and those emotions. But in the long run, you're basically giving back to society. You know what I'm saying? You're being able to pour into someone else who may not be as strong. You know, I tell people all the time, if I didn't have the mentality I had going through, Someone in my position probably would have wanted to commit suicide or something. You know, I had a lot on my plate. You know what I'm saying? I failed to mention a year after my diagnosis, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, wow. So when I got diagnosed, um, we went through genetic testing and all of my mom's stuff came back negative. You know, basically saying she had no genetic disposition to catching cancer. I was going to ask that. Okay. Yeah. And my testing did show like a unknown mutation. Um, So it made sense that I was going through what I was going through. But literally a year later, we're thinking, okay, they, we got me over my hump. Let's try to put our life back, you know, together. And we get dinged with, oh, your mother has breast cancer. Wow. And so, you know, we had to go through that all over again. You know what I'm saying? And I tell people all the time, my testimony was designed the way it was, you know, had my mother got diagnosed first, it would have crushed her, you know, right. mentally and emotionally. She would have only looked at the negative, you know what I'm saying? Right. But I had to go through it first so that she could see my strength to endure because a year later when she had to go through her own battle, you know what I'm saying? She was able to sustain it. You know, and so right. we we question a lot, you know, and I had to stop asking the whys, you know, because it is it is hurtful to be going through everything I've been through and everything I'm going through and will continue to go through at such a young age. 
Correct. You know, but, Correct. you know, I had to pull away from the wise. And like I said, just embrace the present. You know what I'm saying? I look at social media at a lot of people we went to school with that aren't here today. You know, absolutely. Be it, absolutely. Be it for whatever reason, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I look at people that we grew up with that are wheelchair bound, that that have yeah. you know debilitating, you know disabilities. You know what I'm saying? So I just have to look at my own mental health, mental health mental issues, health, yes, uh, drug yeah. abuse, addiction. You know, so much is going on and affecting yeah. my age. You know, nowadays, and so right. I look at so many people, and I'm like, you know, I. I have to embrace what I'm dealing with. You know, at the end of the day, I'm still here. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I have, I'm in my right state of mind. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I don't take it lightly. But, you know, when I have my moments, you know, I shut down for a second. I cry, you know. You're human. Right. You're human. And, and then I put my big girl panties up and I'm like, all right, that's over. You know, ready to take on the world again. You know what I'm saying? And like right. you said, that's what makes me human. You know, I would be inhuman not acknowledging those fears and emotions, you know, so... That's wild. I mean, it just it just seems it just seems like we take a lot for granted, and um, it it just seems like it takes you to another place. It it seems like it takes you to another place when it when it happens to you because, like I said, with my dad, it was, you know, it it, it was it was it took me to a different place. And I mean, at the time, I was married, and so I you know the, the marriage was kind of rocky, and then this happened, so it was just. It was it was it, it 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 was just rough. It was just rough, and we don't realize what we can't what our what we can withstand until we go through something. And I mean, me personally, I've been through a lot. And then it's like like you just said, when you've known me for something, but then now I've grown, and now I'm sharing some of the stuff that I've been through. People looking at me like, what? Mm-hmm. You went through that? Yeah. You did that? I mean, because I shared so I did a me I did a Me Too movement. Um, show and I shared something in, in the Me Too movement because you know women were on Facebook talking about you a man you don't know how that feel hmm. and I'm like wait 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 mm-hmm. that happened to me too mm-hmm. I'm like that happened to me too what that happened to you yeah so you can't like you said with the lady you can't be so quick to judge because you have no idea what people have gone through mm-hmm. just because they put a, a smile on their face don't mean that they got a little bit of pain in their heart yep you know what I mean? And, and and I think overall, when we go through that type of stuff, it, it allows us to grow. Exactly. It allows us to be, you know, who we are today. I mean, you know, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, it allows us to be exactly who we are. We got different opinions. We do different things, and we look at things totally different. So, I mean, again, from the bottom of my heart, I'm, I'm thanking you for allowing me to do this with you, um, allowing me to let my listeners hear your testimony and I hope it touched them. And if you wouldn't mind, you know, if they wanted to reach out to you, you know, if that happened, how would they be able to reach out to you? Um, well, I'm on uh, Facebook um, and Instagram. My Facebook is my name, Brandy LZ. Like I said, I get inboxes all the time. Feel free. Don't hesitate. On Instagram, I'm Nurse Chick 8 You can slide in my, you can slide in my DM on there. Um, okay. and my personal email, like I said, if you want to just come, come step away from social media altogether, you can email me at B P E L Z I E at yahoo.com. Brandy. What up? I appreciate this, babe. You know, listen, I appreciate you for doing it. Like I said, we need more of this done. Continue making that impact. Exactly. So.
Y'all know what that is. It's the six man. Um, I just wanted to dedicate the show to people who are dealing with this thing and just wanted to bring some um, some awareness and, you know, wanted to um, give you a survivor, somebody who's been through it, somebody who lived through it, and somebody who's still living and, you know, keeping a mindful, you know, um, close eye on what they do with their life because, like she said, it might not be over. So um, just wanted to, uh, you know, shed some light on it bring you something that you can listen to that you can, you know, um, maybe, you know, have some food for thought, you know, for the rest of the month, you know, just to, you know, maybe go get that test done and maybe go, you know, check yourself out if that's, if that's what, if, you know, if that's what you need to do. So again, I thank you. Um, I appreciate the time that you uh, gave me today and I wish you well in everything that you do in the future. Thank you so much. Same to you, Kevin. You too. Thanks, babe.